0: On behalf of Beyond Trust, Tenable, and Carasoft, we would like to welcome you to today's podcast focused around a zero trust approach to secure operational technology systems. We're Brian Gatoni, Chief Technology Officer at CISA, Dr. Brian Gardner, Chief Information Security Officer for the City of Dallas, and Lance Clegghorn, a digital service expert at the Defense Digital Service. We'll discuss the importance of driving IT and OT security convergence and its impact on the future path of cybersecurity.
1: It is great to have this panel and be here today. Um, We've got some uh, amazing, brilliant minds on the call, uh, which is why I'm glad that I'm not answering questions for the call that we're on. Uh, But I I welcome everybody that's here. Uh, Thank you all in the audience for showing up and and listening to this for the next uh, hour or so. Um, I'm going to start out with some introductions, and I'm going to allow you guys to briefly introduce yourselves. Um, so I'll start with Lance. Why don't Why don't we go ahead and let you introduce yourself, Lance?
2: Yeah, for sure. So hey, everybody. Um, my name is Lance Clegghorn. I work on engineering problems over at the uh, Defense Digital Service, uh, mostly focused on cybersecurity and networking. And if you've never heard of DDS before, um, we're sort of like a SWAT team of nerds working directly for like the Secretary of Defense. Um, and we're focused on like rapid response and developing solutions to complicated technological problems within the
1: department. Awesome. Um, all right. Brian Gattoni, um, why don't you introduce yourself?
3: Sure, glad to. My name is Brian Gattoni. I'm the Chief Technology Officer at the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. Um, we're a relatively uh, new agency as far as uh, government agencies go, It'll be uh, three and a half years here coming up on 4 next November and so if you haven't heard of us before um, what we do is we lead the national effort to understand and manage and reduce risk to our cyber and physical infrastructure connect our stakeholders in industry and government to each other and to the resources analysis and tools to help them build their own cyber communications and physical security and resilience that in turn helps to ensure a secure resilient infrastructure for the American people my job is to kind of look into the future a little bit, identify those technology opportunities that are out there that helps the agency's mission and how to apply it to our data efforts, our enterprise architecture, and then where we uh, work with partners in the research and development realm to bring those new technologies
1: to bear on the
3: mission. So glad to be here, thank you.
1: Thank you, Brian. Um, and Dr. Brian Gardner, and since we have two Brian's on the call, We'll probably refer to him as Dr. B for the rest of the call, but Dr. Brian Gardner, why don't you introduce yourself?
0: Sure. Thanks, Josh. Um, Dr. Brian Gardner here. I'm the chief information security officer at the city of Dallas Been with the city for four years in this role for a little over three. Um, prior to this, I came from large healthcare, uh, global banking. Um, glad to be here. I'm over security compliance and
1: data management for the city. Awesome. Thank you, Dr. B. We appreciate you being here. Um, Natalie from DDS. Um, I am just support Defense
4: Digital Services, Lance. I am support with communications currently.
1: Awesome. Thank you. And Michael from Tenable. Michael Rothschild.
4: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, My name is Michael Rothschild. I'm the Senior Director of OT Solutions at Tenable. Um, Specifically, uh, Tenable uh, acquired a company called Indige about two years ago, Um, specifically involved in providing visibility, security, and control across uh, OT operations in manufacturing and critical infrastructure.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Michael. Um, All right. So I do have a a few questions that that we'll use to get us started. Um, These panels I find work best when we have a conversation. So if you have something to say, feel free to jump in, um, unmute yourself. I'll try to pay attention to that. Uh, But overall, we'll start with this question. What are the practical issues we need to consider when discussing the convergence of IT and OT? And I'm going to throw that question uh, to Lance.
2: Cool, yeah, for sure. Um, so at DDS, we explored uh, OT and sort of like uh, control systems. As part of our uh, hack the pentagon portfolio and subsequently did what we like to call like a discovery spread where we sort of like dug into uh this problem set of ot within within the department and how to secure it and we did like a hundred or north of a hundred different interviews with people within the department uh, people out like in mission partner land over at cisa um, and even some of the industries like over at tenable um and and, and we found like what i think is probably two major issues um, that we really felt like is going to impact convergence within within DOD. Uh, the first of those is like, well, let's say like lack of education and training. Uh, so IT professionals within DOD think like cybersecurity, networking, um, they were really uncomfortable with OT. Um, and, and then uh, OT professionals were really uncomfortable with like IT concepts like cybersecurity. Um, and then, you know, when sort of looking at that problem, we were like, oh, well, training is the right answer, right? Um, but training for OT is kind of like sp- specifically difficult to find, right? Like there's some good programs over at CISA, um, some of the national labs do uh, do training. Um, and I think like even like EC Council and, and SANS have like training courses now, but it's not really like as wide and varied as you would find like typical cybersecurity training. Um, so, so that's sort of like our major problem number one that we saw with conversions. And then the second one is just sort of like a lack of awareness and standards. Um, so, senior leadership that we interviewed were really, really heavily invested in IT as part of their like uh, evaluation and how they were doing as leaders. Um, but they didn't have the same kind of standards when it came to OT. Um, and then there was no really big, great standards that, that they could reference to to say this is how we know we're doing well. Um, And and it's great to see that, like, we're embracing things like zero trust methodologies, which would, you know, in theory, incorporate uh, OT devices very cleanly. Um, And I know, like, within the department, DIS has published some configuration guidance. um, But those exact, like, best practices for each individual, like, uh, company or each individual device still seems to be really lacking. And I think that's going to be a big impediment to sort of convergence. Okay. Um,
1: and, And I really appreciate that viewpoint. Um, I know that as we take a look at, uh, you know, we've had the executive order talking about zero trust. Um, and as we take a look at the concept of OT security, um, when it comes to critical infrastructure, we've obviously seen a lot of those attacks. Um, someone you mentioned in your uh, in your response that we've seen some stuff out of CISA. Uh, Brian, what, what's your perspective here on uh, the convergence of IT and OT and how that relates to attacks on critical infrastructure? sure
3: um i think one of the things I found interesting in the itot convergence thing is how it brings a a couple of different generations of practitioners together in the conversation both from a technological generations right there's a lot of ot systems out there that have a little bit of age on them but they still perform their functions and they do so to the intent they were designed in terms of you know very high availability assured uh, um operations, right, everything those OT systems were built to do, and then as we go to look to connect IT systems, you bring in a newer generation of thought and and, um, actual application of technology to the conversation, and it's an opportunity to to create some bridges between these folks to, to understand where the technology can benefit from um, it's digital transformation or modernization that's driving a lot of the convergence. There's a lot of upsides in some of these technology opportunities, like digital twins, to get telemetry from your OT system into a into a um, apparatus that helps you op- optimize operations or or monitor for security threats. But that requires some connections. You have to architect your way. To it um, in, a, in a safe manner that protects all those equities, so it brings a lot of interesting practitioners together. But it highlights, just as Lance said, the need for training to bridge those two concepts into each other and and build the community of practitioners around the concept of convergence, as opposed to bringing two communities together. That's where it started, and now it's about building one community on the move forward uh, for that convergence conversation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think that's a great point, and. Uh, Before I I kind of transition us to our next question, Um, I think we're going to launch a poll question here. So for those of you in the audience, if you could, uh, please take a look at the poll, answer that. We'll come back to those responses in just a second. Um, You know, I think that concept of bringing older practitioners and newer practitioners together is really interesting. I actually had a conversation with someone who was one of the original guys doing OT in our area. Um, And we were talking about encrypted traffic, HTTPS for monitoring and a few other things. Um, And he basically said he didn't really have an interest in that because, and I quote, he hadn't been hacked yet. And so I think, you know, the modern mindset of security that we can't uh, look at some of this stuff, um, you know, from that original OT perspective that these things are never going to touch the Internet or be vulnerable Um, is is definitely something that some of the newer practitioners are bringing to the space. Speaking of kind of that community and the way that we learn things and something that impacted both sides of the community, um, and I'm going to throw this to to Dr. B. What do you think we learned from the Log4j vulnerability? What what should we take away from that?
0: So I think um, we we experienced part of that a little bit. Um, What we take away is that it's a lot about hygiene, right? Um, having good secure hygiene, um, you know, with your environment, um, you know, with I think there's like three billion after we were started really digging into it that are really running on this log four j thing. Um, what we what we experienced is because of it, we had to shut some systems down. We had to figure out what that impact is for other applications before we would before we would um, make other uh, turn up other stuff. So really, the takeaway was are we doing good hygiene? You know, and, and as long as I've been in security, that's been like preached from day one. So (laughs) are we really doing it? Um, I'm going to tell you, that's probably where we always lack. Um, I've only seen it a couple times in my career where it was really good. So that that's my takeaway from it is really good hygiene, making sure we're staying up on the latest patching and and making sure we're doing good vulnerability management and those things to keep us, uh,
1: protected from those things. Okay, awesome. Speaking of good vulnerability management, that's a great segue to ask uh, Michael. Michael, from an industry perspective, uh, what do you think we learned from Log4j and and uh, what's what's vulnerability scanning have to do with with all of this anyways?
4: Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, the thing that we found is that um, to borrow a term from Donald Rumsfeld is we don't know what we don't know. Uh, OT has been around for a very long time Uh, We typically see OT environments that where there are programmable logic controllers or PLCs are often a decade or more old. Uh, And that's very different than an IT environment in which uh, the average lifespan is maybe between three and four years. Uh, The idea behind that is that, you know, if you look at some of these deployments, the original team that built this or that built the infrastructure is no longer there. And in many instances, even if they are there, how do you account for the different patch levels, the different users, the different open ports, the different protocols? All of this builds an attack surface. And by a, a converging an environment, it only adds additional attack vectors. So it's almost impossible. We've seen many instances where uh, organizations keep spreadsheets of what they have in terms of PLCs, DCSs, HMIs. And, you know, they're, they're, the moment that they're published are already out of date. So what we recommend is typically to do, we don't call it scanning, we call it querying because you don't want to scan an OT environment, Uh, but you do a query and you can learn things like, you know, what firmware version do I have? What patch level is there? And based on that, something like a log4j where nobody thinks it's in their environment, you find out exactly where you're you're, uh, susceptible. Uh, The truth of the matter is that there are many Apache servers in an OT environment just used for logging, but it's not just OT devices in the environment, it's IT devices in the OT environment as well. So I believe, we believe that there's still a sizable population of OT customers, OT operators that don't realize that they have risk because They have that log4j vulnerability built into an environment that perhaps they don't have the full view of so uh it's a matter of time unfortunately it's a ticking time bomb but there's also a way to to solve that so it's not that the sky is falling it's that we have to take action against it
2: if if i can if i can chime in like so log4j i think is such an exciting vulnerability to talk about like it's super interesting because it doesn't come with like a simple patch solution and there's not a really great way to scan for it either, right? Like you can tell something runs Java but that doesn't necessarily mean that they implement the library and it certainly doesn't give you any kind of insight on whether something is exploitable. Um, you know, and I think is, uh, so over at DDS we did like our, our hack the Pentagon thing, we brought in the crowd to sort of assess for this in the public facing systems. Um, but for internal systems, like like where we would hopefully find OT or maybe in like an air gap situation, I think, I think you're right. Like I think this vulnerability is gonna live and exist for years years to come. And and I think it really, really highlights the need for better cybersecurity testing solutions that can actually like get in there and determine whether something's not just vulnerable, but also like exploitable. So I I love Log4J, and I love talking about it. Like, I think it's going to be one of the coolest things we're going to talk about for years to come.
1: Yeah, Lance, thank you for that. Um, And and I agree. It's really interesting that, um, you know, when you look at SNMP scans across the network or other things, you're really just looking at what devices exist and then trying to determine if they are running the specific, uh, you know, the specific modules or the, the specific uh, items that they need in order to be exploited. Um, so I have, I have questions coming up in the chat and I love that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot back to Michael real quick. Um, we have a question from Danilo, and I'm, I'm sorry if I messed that name up. I'm, I'm from Arkansas, so reading is new to me. Um, why did you say don't scan an OT environment that you query instead?
4: Yeah, it's a really good question. You know, one of the things that uh, the folks that are brought up uh, in IT infrastructure, we do port scans, we do scans of everything, right? It's not, a, it's not an issue. Uh, In an OT environment, OT environments don't react well to scans. Uh, They typically, if you're doing some kind of scan, it's not unreasonable to have a PLC or something of that nature fall over. So rather than doing something like that, we believe best practices is to query. Uh, This is very similar to what an HMI may do to a PLC when they are looking for information. Uh, This specifically consists of being able to ask questions in the PLC's native protocol. Keep in mind, PLCs, you know, ABB, Rockwell, uh, whatever else have you, um, each of those devices are running different protocols and sometimes even different models within the same manufacturer are running different protocols. So rather than doing a scan and perhaps uh, having a a system fall over, we query in the native language that the PLC uh, uh, expects. So we can ask basic questions, you know, what's your purpose, what's your firmware version, uh, what users have access, these types of things. And the PLC is built to give that information back. So it's a nuance, but it's an important nuance that we scan IT environments, they can accept them, because OT environments typically don't react well to scanning. We do this querying in their native language and get the specific information that we're looking for.
0: Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information on how Kerasoft, Beyond Trust, or Tenable can help secure your OT environment, please visit www.kerasoft.com. Thanks again for listening, and tune in next week for Part 2 of our OT discussion.